Michigan Liberation is a statewide network of people and organizations organizing to end the criminalization of black families and communities of color in Michigan. We envision a state without mass incarceration, mass policing, and punishment. We envision a state with the best public education in the nation, single-payer health care, and thriving black and brown communities. Here on the Respect the Rules podcast, we will lift up the stories and experiences of those impacted by mass incarceration, collective ties to the criminal legal system, and the frontline efforts to end mass incarceration. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Respect the Roots, Michigan Liberation's Respect the Roots podcast. Today, it is an honor. It's a privilege. I can't hardly talk. I'm so excited. I've got none other than Dr. O. Bowers. Dr. Bowers, how you doing? I'm doing great. And you? Oh, I'm blessed. Hey, I'm blessed. I'm just so excited that we finally got this chance to talk and everything. And I was like, oh, making sure I was working with your assistant. I was like so determined to get this, you know, I ain't gonna say interview, but this conversation going, Dr. O. Absolutely. We got to look, we got to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, we got to do. And before we get started, I, you know what? I have to give you your, your respect. I got to read part of your bio because it's amazing. Dr. Yes. O has more than 15 years of experience in social services, nonprofit leadership, grants management, program design, and civic leadership. Her life's work is centered on intentional merging of women's studies, education, interdisciplinarity, and creativity, spiritual healing, wellness, movement. All right. She uses scholarship and vocation to do healing work in communities of color in reproductive health, women's issues, and communities of faith. Dr. O, you are an ordained minister through the Universal Life Church. That's what's up. And you combine spiritual focus on the therapeutic disciplines of mindfulness dancing to offer the dynamic dancing mindfulness and other healing practices across the U.S. But you're also the executive director of the National Harm Reduction Coalition. This is who I'm speaking to y'all today. It's It's such an honor. Thank you so much for coming on you know, this podcast. And I want to start off, first of all, Dr. O, kudos. You know, me and my colleagues got a chance to come to the uh, conference this year in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and y'all laid it out. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, You know, I I dare not, um, you know, minimize the work that went into the conference. Before I became the executive director of NHRC, I was the conference director. And so okay. in that in that space, I was serving as your conference director exactly. um, and secondary, your executive director of NHRC. But um, that was definitely a labor of love and an opportunity for us to sort of dial it up. We haven't had a conference since 2018 um, wow. due to COVID and the hurricanes and several other things. Um, and so we were like definitely committed to the folks in har- and that do harm reduction work in Puerto Rico, that we would keep our commitment to have the conference there um, and showcase and highlight the amazing work that they do on the island, um, as well as uh, bring together um, thought partners in the harm reduction movement from across all 50 states and, and, and other countries. We had folks from our international wow. space there also. 
Um, so wow. we appreciate you all supporting us um, in putting that conference on and, you know, attending and enjoying everything that we we put together. We hope that you all had an amazing time. Yes, that you we did. Yes, Dr. O, Dr. O, because I know you said I could call you that. It's such an honor. But, you know, I, I want to start off um, just going um, straight into what is harm reduction, because I'm going to be honest, I had no clue before the conference. But when I left, I was just so inspired. I was awed. I was amazed. And, you know, I just want you to give a thorough definition. What is harm reduction? So harm reduction, no problem. Harm reduction at its core is a set of principles and practices that um, help us to meet people at their place of need. Um, right. As a, it, it is a movement that was born out of um, the HIV epidemic, um, and it was a cry out from people who use drugs that had been left out of conversations. Their health and wellness had mm. been left out of conversations um, in our response um, to the HIV epidemic. So, okay. um, throughout time, and I, you know, throughout our history. Um, drug use has been criminalized and black folks and brown folks in particular have been criminalized for substance use, whether it be alcohol or whether it be marijuana or whatever the case may be. Um, harm reduction responds to those, those calculated uh, racialized drug policies that put our folks in harm's way. And we are there to um, show people that we have the answer to how to keep people alive and safe um, without mandating that they abstain from using substances. So wow. at the wow. end of the day, it's our job to make sure that people are safe and make sure they have the resources and the knowledge and the information that they need to, to manage their own lives and have autonomy over their own lives. I, I, I often say to folks, the principles of harm reduction and the tactics of harm reduction are two different things. Right. Mm. So needle exchange, condom distribution, risk reduction plans, all of those things are all tactics. They're they're tools in our harm reduction tool belt. But the idea, the concept, the heart of harm reduction lives in the principles, which is people first language, which is allowing people to have autonomy over their own lives and self-determine. It is about giving people the resources that they're asking for or meeting them where they are. Yes. Um, but also their meaningful involvement in um, their, you know, their care and their plans of care when they're working in partnership and collaboration with our social service and our helping community around healthcare. So right. it is not just about the tactics. It's about the principles which are applicable in any human rights framework, people are at the center of any human rights framework. Yes. Um, people's ability to know what's best for themselves and be a part of making their own choices, those are the principles of harm reduction. And that is what this movement is all about, is right. humanizing people. Right. Now, Dr. O, and that kind of leads us into you being the executive director now of the 
NHRC, the National Harm Reduction Coalition. And can you just give us an idea? Because, you know, if you go to your website, which we have harmreduction.org on there, because, you know, sometimes you know how it is nowadays. Everybody got a little senior moment here and there. And we want to make sure they see your website, harmreduction.org. Please go to their website. It is amazing. I'm just I was blown away with all your whole staff your whole, and your team. They're from all over. Yes. You you represent yes. a variety of people or individuals. And please just tell us about that coalition that you have going on that you're now the executive director of. <laughs> I know. I know. I keep <laughs> pitching myself. Um, I think, you know, our our staff is a amazing a reflection of the harm reduction movement and the way the harm reduction movement looks in the world. Um, 90 percent of our staff are BIPOC. Um, and we are folks who are in the South, who are in on the coast in New York and California. We have folks who are in the Midwest. We have mm. staff who are all over the world. We even have staff that are in Puerto Rico. So we have staff members who represent the community that we work beside. Um, right. You know, um, in terms of the way in which the coalition shows up in the world, we do our work from five spaces technical assistance and training. We work to um, prevent overdoses and we work to respond and expand syringe exchange programs across the country. We're mm. working on policy and advocacy as well as convenings, which you all attended our national conference. It's the largest gathering of its kind in the whole wide world. So wow. we are really proud of the work that we do. And we're really proud of the way that we are able to support community members such as yourself in the ways that you're trying to affect change in your community. Right. Now, one thing I know we want to get into the nitty gritty because Dr. Bowers, I specifically uh, centered this conversation around where we can get into the nitty gritty of talking about like the trauma informed approach to an engagement with people of faith and communities of faith in regards to harm reduction. And then also we want to talk about harm reduction in the black communities and everything. But one thing I want to say about the conference that really blew my mind, and everybody knows I'm real and transparent. Like you said, meeting people where they're at. So there were people there who were, for example, sex workers. There were people there who were on drugs, possibly. You know what I mean? But the thing is, it was like you walked away, like you said, the principles, the tactics. It was powerful because it, it was something to see where it wasn't like, criminalizing people. You know what I mean? You were really meeting people where they were at. You were educating people. For example, I had no clue how to use Narcon spray, Narcan spray. You know what I mean? The Narcan spray. I I took a class on that. You know what I mean? I, and then I went on uh, another day where I took a class where I was talking about the empowerment of black women. And, you know, and, and, and one of my colleagues, you know, became really um, emotional about it because she started about her breast cancer, you know, situation and everything. So, Kudos to all the different workshops. It was a variety of different topics. You know, it was no, it was, I mean, everything you can imagine about harm reduction was covered there. And even, like I said, dealing with Michigan Liberation being an organization dealing with ending mass incarceration or reducing it, even there was things there for that, you know. So kudos, kudos. So, mm -hmm. Dr. O, man, it was a lot to cover yes, and yes. see and experience. Harm reduction is such a hard, uh, it's a it's a wide variety of different intersections, right? So as we're talking about folks who may be incarcerated or who may have recently um, come back to society to 
you know, re, what do you call it, reintegrate into their daily society. Like there's so many places where there are intersections and interconnections of the work that we do. And harm reduction as a, as a concept fits into those spaces. People, yeah. whether they've been incarcerated or not, are still people and they deserve to have access to the resources that they need to thrive, regardless of whether or not they've been incarcerated or not. And even if they are inca incarcerated, even right. within the confines of the jail or the prison, they still are people. They right. still right. deserve right. access to what they need to thrive, e even in that situation. Um, and so harm reduction is applicable um, in that way to any any audience of folks, which, you know, is why we're going to talk about, you know, the Black community specifically. Yes, but please go ahead. Talk about yeah. yeah. Um, when I think about harm reduction as it relates to Black people, um, you know, I think, again, historically that we as a people have been criminalized for behaviors, for substance use, for being different, you know, for for driving while Black, you, you name it, there's a penalty um, in a lot of our communities. And so drug use in particular is an unsafe topic um, to talk about. So when you encounter people who have traditionally been a part of harm reduction, a lot of times you'll hear um, conversations about lived experience. I often have to remind folks that in Black communities, it's unsafe to name that you are a person who uses drugs for a number of reasons, right? Myself um, as a leader, I can't lead with my lived experience in sex work in a lot of spaces because individuals may say, well, you're not mm. fit to lead. Mm. <laughs> you know, suddenly forget about Dr. O and the PhD and all the stuff you read at first. Now it's just, oh, she got this type of experience. So now you're not qualified anymore, mm. you know, to lead me or to tell me something. And so it's stigma in a way that shows up in black communities that's different than other communities. And I like to highlight that um, when we're talking about the intersections of harm reduction in other people's life. If I'm a person who has been incarcerated, then you add to that, I'm a person who uses drugs. That's a different dynamic. Right. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. And it, it makes it that much harder for that individual, um, you know, to avoid getting you know caught up in a whole nother type of outcomes right. um and so i think we have to be intentional about having those conversations and destigmatizing behaviors right wow wow and and just also dr o like you talked about the trauma informed approach to engagement with people in the faith communities you know um as it deals with harm reduction i know this this is going to be interesting because so, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> I got to sit you, back. <laughs> okay. Man, I got to lean on. back. So trauma informed for yes. me in dealing with people in the faith community, the faith community in black communities, like these are the staples, the pillars of our community. I give this example with folks. Because everybody wants to talk to people of faith. Like, I think generically people understand that if they're able to engage with the church, they're able to reach more people in Black and Brown communities. 
Absolutely. Where I think we missed the mark is that trauma-informed peace. The church is our foundation. It is our sense of who we are as people. It is our sense of who our culture is. We love us some Jesus. Yes. When we start talking about certain things or bringing certain concepts into the church, we have to be mindful that it is almost like if I come into your home where you live, that's your domain, and I decide, well, we need to paint the walls blue and we need to move this couch and we need to take this picture down and change it to this. You're going to have a certain response to that that might be jarring, right? Because I'm coming in and I'm changing what your reality is. Right. Home is like home, home base. That's where you, you rest. That's your safe place. Right. For a lot of black folks, church is that for us. It's the safe place. It's the place where I go when I need my soul lulled and rocked and, and, and wrapped. So it's the place where I go when I'm hurting. Right. To get my to get myself back centered. You know, every right. week I go on Wednesday night to get a little bit more teaching. If I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna be introducing new things, I can't just buzz up in the door and start changing stuff. Right. Because it's like snatching somebody's reality up from under their feet. If we right. use a trauma-informed approach, we're gonna come in, we're gonna try to understand that place. Well, what does this mean to you? What are your, what's your church's creed? What's y'all's bylaws? What do you all teach? Because right. not all churches teach the same things. And it's right. a relationship that's built over time and trust that's built over time. For me, when I think about tick or trauma-informed approaches, it is taking the time to build the relationship before you just start asking people to change things. Mm. Say that again, Dr. O. Because somebody might have missed that. For the bag. <laughs> Take the time to make the relationship before you need something, right? Before you start asking for things, before you start trying to change things, go in and make a relationship. Set some goals. You know, what do you want to accomplish? How do you make it beneficial for both parties? And what that means is it's going to take time. You can't just go in and put your testing program or your HIV program or your harm reduction program, whatever it is that you're trying to introduce in that space, you can't just bust in. If you read your word, the word says that he knock it. Yeah. It doesn't say he bust in and start doing. Wow, <laughs> he knock it at the door and wait on you to answer it. <laughs> you know? Right. So we have Dr. to be a gentleman. Oh. We have to be a gentleman or a gentlewoman like Jesus. <laughs> right, you know? right. Just exactly. bust all in the folks, bust in the folks' house and start changing stuff. Churches you know, are like it. Exactly. Dr. Oh, man, I, we know we're going to have to do some more talking because we got about <laughs> eight minutes. But no, here, here's the thing, because I want to also talk about how can people get involved? Because you got a lot of people who are still trying to wrap their arms or the, around the concept of harm reduction and how they can play a role into making a difference. But also, Dr. Mm -hmm. Mao, I want you to slightly touch on maybe some advice. Um, here in the D Detroit metro area, we're dealing with a lot of mental illness. And I'm not going to say it's all related to drugs, but, you know, a lot of, I'm sure it, some of it is, you know what I mean, and drug-related, but where police are getting involved and guess what the person is ending up dead you know a loved one is calling 
because the police because they're having that their loved one is having an episode. How does the church, the community get involved so we can help reduce these murders? This is really bad in the Detroit metro area, and I'm sure it's happening all over. We've seen a lot of mental illness, uh, maybe drug-related type of um, police murders, you know what I mean, going on. And and then I, I just want to know how people can get involved in making a difference in this harm reduction movement. So I want to hit those three things really hard. On I know mental, I gave you a lot. I know I did. Mental illness piece, you know, um, as much as we can, we have to understand that we live in a society where people don't necessarily have or want access to mental health resources. And so mm. if I don't see my mental health or my mental illness as a problem, then I won't necessarily seek um, traditional services. In my opinion, that is an opportunity for us to involve folks in practices like mindfulness, like um, meditation, other um, non-threatening uh, modalities that allow them to try to manage their mental health in ways that they can control. They don't require outside interventions. Some people do use substances to um, self-medicate and manage their mental health. So that is kind of going to be a handled on a case-by-case -case, uh, situation. But again, if you're meeting people where they are, if they're not yet ready, how do we partner with them to offer them something that they can utilize until they are ready? Um, mm. I think it's a both and as opposed to either or mentality. In terms of state-sanctioned violence, um, you know, I, I see it as an opportunity for community collaboration and partnership to potentially have some type of roundtable discussion or town hall meeting with the law enforcement officials in your area, a group effort to identify and say, hey, maybe you all might want to consider some de-escalation training. NHRC, we offer that kind of training. Um, mm. And there are other harm reduction organizations in your area um, you can check our website for Naloxone Finder. You can check our website for NASIN, which is a syringe exchange program database. There's lots of different um, repositories for where people can find training and education. They can request technical assistance in education through us or through NASDAQ and some of our other community partners to get people trained on harm reduction 101, principles of harm reduction. There are a lot of organizations who work specifically with law enforcement and engagement of law enforcement to teach them de-escalation tactics, to teach them about Narcan and first responder training. All of that information is out there and we're happy to continue these conversations to help folks make some recommendations um, in the community to those folks in leadership in law enforcement and policing. And also, you know, your community uh, advisory groups can potentially, you know, make an impact there of just having some dialogue and conversation to raise people's awareness that, you know, these are some strategies, you know, these are some recommendations of best practices. Um, that information is there. And myself, my staff, we're happy to, uh, to partner with you all, to collaborate with you all, to help organize some of those things. Yes. Um, lastly, in terms of how people can get involved, you shared our website. 
We have a lot of opportunities for folks to stay in contact with us, join our listserv so that you're able to keep up with where we're having virtual meetings, where we're meeting with communities in person, um, sign up for technical assistance, education. We do this with community groups. We do it with individuals. We do it with organizations. There's all types of sliding scales and what have you. We're there to meet your needs around educational stuff. Um, but also get to know the harm reduction organizations in the Michigan area. Um, we do yes. a lot of work, um, technical assistance work with the university there. Um, there's yes. a lot of harm reduction partners there. We're happy mm -hmm. to work in, in tandem to connect you all with those folks. Um, we're here to be a resource. Reach out to us. Let us know what you're looking for. And we sh that's what we do. We show up to help you find the information that you need. I see harm reduction wow. like a freeway. You got on yes. ramps, you got off ramps. <laughs> jump yes. on where you can, jump yes. off, jump back on. Where you, you know, can, yes. Yeah, where you fit in. <laughs> yeah, and you probably see me wiping my eyes, everybody. Hey, I, do, I am crying, Dr. O, because- Oh my goodness. I am, I, and you know I'd podcast a lot, but you have touched my spirit because we are losing a lot of our black people in Metro Detroit. And you just answered it so powerfully without, I mean, I'm trying to contain myself because we're losing people. And people are thinking that the only, um, when they're, they're going through it, you know what I mean? And I, I'm going back to what you were saying about meeting people where they're at, offering um, alternative solutions. And unfortunately, we just lost a sister um, last week in Detroit. She even said it in her Instagram as she was going live. I, I'm basically, I know y'all going to kill me, you know, because she was having an episode. And, 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 you know, we, this Saturday, Michigan Liberation, we had a rally because it's getting out of hand. But I'm so thankful that you offered a solution and also help. Because a lot of people tell, you know, they don't know what to do but call the police. But right. they don't know the other solutions. Training. You know what I mean? A lot of families are on the news. They're crying out for help. They don't understand. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 and like we had said offline, it is a problem in the black community. We got to stop acting like it's not. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And these are our people. Like, again, we have to humanize people. When we look at these statistics of overdoses, when we look at these statistics of state-sanctioned deaths where police have, you know, have murdered folks, whether it's, you know, whether it's whatever side of the coin people are on with that, these people belong to our community. They are people that belong to families. These are This is somebody's child. This is somebody's brother, sister, aunt, uncle, they're not just a number. And the more that we can recognize that as communities, another uh, idea that popped in my mind as we were speaking, this is an excellent place where our faith leaders can participate, hold space with people, pray with people, open the doors, let folks in, get those counselors and those social workers in your church, to have some support group circles, get online, have some support group meetings online. There are ways, there are on ramps for us to do this. It, you don't have to identify 
as a harm reductionist to be a part of the solution. You just have to offer what you can offer to the mix. That's what meeting people where they are, but not leaving them there means in real life, right? It's holding those support group meetings when you have your sandwich giveaways or your coat drives this fall or your Thanksgiving dinners. I love me some Jesus, but first let's arm people with some, with some, some self-soothing strategies that they can use so that when they start having an episode, they recognize the signs and they yes. know to go and for help, you know, Exactly. Open. Let's, let's let's think more outside of the box. You know, if we want to volunteer, volunteer to hold some some coaching sessions or some some um you know some some coaching sessions or some job fairs and things with people because these are the roots of why they may be having anxiety or depression or whatever it is that drives them to use substances. They they yes. don't have a job. They don't have a home. So if we can deal with the root of the problem then we yes. can start to see some solutions but it's going to take all of us working together well i've been talking here with dr bowers dr o amazing amazing feedback and i just before we get ready to head out and go on our daily you know daily day or tasks should i say dr o any food for thought anything you want to leave the our our watchers our listeners our followers before we head out. Absolutely. Um, my thought for you is um, harm reduction, the names, the words, the strategies, those things. If, if you learn nothing else from this conversation today, know that harm reduction is who we are and what we do as a people. Specifically, I'm talking to us black and brown folks. It's who we are and what we do as a community. We take care of each other. We look out for each other. We try to help each other on whatever level that we're on. Don't let the words and all of the jargon trip you up. There's a place for you in this work. And my hope is that you will find your place and do what you need to do. Amen. Amen, sister. Until next time, Dr. Bowers, you know you got to come back. You know, we. I will, I will let me know I'll be here. Because, you know, trying to do this in 30 minutes is just, there was so much. You, I'm telling you, I usually don't shed a tear doing a podcast. But it, like you said, when you came on, when we came, you know, it was just something there. You are the real deal Holyfield, Dr. Oh, I know a lot of people say a lot of good things about you, but I'm here to tell you, shedding tears. This was tears of relief and joy because... Um, um, I'm telling you, there's so much, there's something has to be done. We got to stop just leaning back and letting things be the way they are. You Like Absolutely. you said, we got to meet people where they at and stop acting like because it's not in our family, it doesn't pertain to us. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. So I thank you, everybody, until next time. Remember to what? Respect the roots. Thank you, Dr. Owen. I love you. Thank right. you. Love you, too. Michigan Liberation Education Fund, C3, conducts grassroots organizing, leadership development, and civic engagement activities. Michigan Liberation C4 and Michigan Liberation Action Fund, IE, are sister organizations.